We're going to continue our Faith Walk series where we're learning that we walk by and not by, one more time, we walk by faith and not by sight. It is such a core foundation in every believer's life that I learn to walk by faith. Even when I feel like the winds and the storms are coming, as we just sung about, I know that my firm foundation is this, God, you won't fail. God, you've never allowed me to fail. And even when it seems like I'm failing, God, I'm, I'm failing forward because you've always got a divine purpose. And no matter what comes, God, I know that the blessing of the Lord is for me and my family. The blessing of the Lord is for my life, and I'm going to follow where God is taking me. Never judge a book by its cover. Isn't that so true? Never judge someone based off of their appearances, their achievements, or their failures. We're quick to judge people, aren't we? People who make big mistakes, we go, God can never use them. People who don't look the part or act the part, we're like, God can never use them. People who don't fit our mode or what we think God should do or use, we have a tendency to mentally write them off and think, yeah, you know, God, God's not going to use that person. God's not going to use that woman. God's not going to use that man. But I want you to know the, the Bible doesn't celebrate our failures. The Bible celebrates our faith. Go back and look in the history of the whole word. That these people who are celebrated are celebrated because of their faith. And many of them have some really, 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 really big mistakes in their life. Not just one, but several big mistakes in our life. And God used them greatly because of their faith. See, it's faith that pleases the Lord. So much so the Bible says it's impossible to please God unless you and I learn to walk and operate our life in faith. Hebrews 11 is our text we've been using for this series. We've been looking at some great heroes of the faith. We call it the Hall of Faith, not the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Faith. They made this list of people that God greatly used. And this whole list is full of people who made big, big mistakes in their life. But God didn't celebrate their mistakes. We hear about their faith. Today's hero isn't an obvious choice. This person wasn't an obvious choice to be listed as a hero of the faith. This today, I want you to understand today, we're going to understand that this person was a tremendous story of God's amazing grace, how God transformed their life, that if anyone understands the story today, you realize that there's nothing that God can't do in my life when I begin to operate in faith. When I begin to trust God in faith, God can turn my life around and God can use me greatly when I walk in faith. Let's go right to our story. Hebrews eleven thirty and 31. Let's see who it is. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days. And the walls came crashing down. It was by what? Faith that who? Rahab, the preacher. Oh, I'm sorry. I saw the PR there. It was Rahab, the what? Some of you just say, the prostitute. Come on now. It's okay. It's in the Bible. We can say it. It was Rahab, the prostitute, 
was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Today, we're going to talk about Rahab, and not just Rahab, Rahab the prostitute. As we dive into the story of Rahab, we're going to see how this woman of faith not only saved her life, but she saved her family's life. And it played a crucial role in showing us the form of grace that eventually would flow from her story. We're going to see how God used her and this story to set up a pattern for God's grace and redemption in our life today. You and I are going to walk under this. We have already walked under some of the same anointing and flow of redemption. And we see this story pointing to it. It's a great story. One of my favorite stories of redemption in the Bible. Her faith was so important because this woman had faith. The children of Israel had just left Pharaoh's bondage and went through the, the Red Sea when it parted. Then they spent 40 years wandering in the desert. 40 years wandering in the desert. And what happens? They get, finally God says, all right, it's time for them to go to the promised land. He removes Moses from leadership. He says, I want you to instill Joshua into leadership, and Joshua's going to take them over into the promise. So, so now Joshua has just taken them over now, and they're getting ready to get close to the promise, and they come to a city with great, great walls, the city of Jericho. It was a powerful city. It had built this great fortress that would keep out any of the enemies and allow them to fight off uh, very strategically and defeat the enemies that came close. So Jericho was a obstacle. Jericho would, would have been considered the enemy of God. Joshua sends out two spies and says, all right, go out, go into the city of Jericho, tell us what it looks like. Tell us how, how big these walls are. Tell us how it looks as a fortress. How can we overtake it? How can we take it? God wants us to, to capture this city. He says it's ours. So I'm gonna send out the spies and see what they had to say. So they go and they find out. Sure enough, there's monster walls. But in the corner of one of the walls, there was a house that was built in the corner. And this house was an inn. And so it was the only thing that was connected to the wall from the outside was this place. So if you needed a place to stay, this was the place to go. If you wanted more than a place to stay, this was the place to go. Rahab runs us in. So if Rahab is the innkeeper and Rahab is a prostitute, the Bible doesn't say this, but we can read between the lines and use wisdom and say, this was not only an inn, it was probably also a brothel. So here they are, the spies come into the land, they're needing a place to stay, and they run into Rahab. And they go to the wall and they find this place. They enter in this as a way they can actually get into the side. If they go into the end first, they can actually get into the city to check it out. Rahab had nothing to gain by helping these spies out. Everything to lose. By her choosing to protect the spies, she put her own life, her family's life, everything at risk. If word had gotten out that she was helping despised the children of God, she could have been not only killed, but probably all of her family would have been killed as well. 
The king hears that there are spies there and that the spies are staying at this inn. And so the king sends his, his men over, capture these spies and bring them back. And when the word got that they were coming, she took the spies up to the roof and she hid them under the roof and put the leaves and things over them so that they could not be spotted. And when the, the people got there, we, we, see, we see this thing of the pretty little picture that people like to talk about this story. If you, some people talk about this story and they want to paint this really cool picture of this innkeeper. And they skip around and dance around the story, and the story was this. She was not an innkeeper. The story was she was a prostitute. And the Bible wanted to make it very clear that she was a prostitute because you know what? He wants you to understand if God can use her, he can use you and I. This story encourages us that if God chose to use this woman, God can choose to use you as well. Is your faith there? And sometimes we want to look at people and say they've blown it too big. They've made too many mistakes in their life and they're not worthy to be used of God. But we see all through scripture that is just the opposite of what God's grace does in the scripture. God's grace is for you and it's for I. And it's for the person who sinned the worst in your life and it's for the person who hardly ever sins and everybody else in between. God's grace is sufficient for me. God's grace is sufficient for you. You got to get that and let that build your faith today. But the Bible, I love it. The Bible doesn't paint this story as a, as a little innkeeper over here. No, he says she was a prostitute. Just let you know right there. The Bible keeps it real. I'm sure she lived in a lot of darkness and shame. I'm sure she had a lot of embarrassment. I'm sure she had a lot of shame that carried the things that she had to do. She's also a woman that needed hope in her life. I can imagine she had a lot of people taking from her. And one of the things that happens is that hope gets stripped. And so I want you to see that she needed hope. And she needed God so much in her life, and she was ready for God to do something in her life. She also was a woman who God saw beyond her faults, saw beyond her fears, saw beyond her flaws, saw beyond her mistakes, saw beyond her reputation, and said this, I see your future. God saw a woman that God was going to use who would become a testament to you and I today. Her testimony is still alive today for us to look at and to celebrate because of this prostitute decided to walk in faith. So no matter where you're at today, I want you to know God wants you to walk in faith. God wants you to leave the lifestyle you have now and to walk in faith. God's got a better plan for your life. God's got a better outcome for your life then you know right now. Mm-hmm. Come on now. She is a woman of faith. A great woman of faith. A woman transformed by the grace of God. So much that she makes it into the hall of faith. This woman made it. Rahab is a testimony that if God can use her, God can use you. Come on now, look at your neighbor and say, God wants to use you today. And turn to your other neighbor and say, he even wants to use you, you heathen. (laughs) Have you ever felt like you're not good enough for God's love? 
I've been there. Have you ever felt that way? I'm not good enough for God's love. I don't deserve God's love. God can never really. I know, Pastor, you're preached but I don't deserve it. I've, I've done too many things wrong in my life. I made too many mistakes in my life. I don't deserve God's love. Too many regrets, too many mistakes. I don't measure up to other people's standards. I don't measure up to expectations. This is the great news. Listen today, get this. God is not done writing your story. Do you hear me today? God is not put, put in a period where God wants to put a comma in your life. God wants to rewrite the ending of your story. And your end of your story doesn't have to end bad just because your life has been bad so far. The great news, if you begin to operate in faith, God can transform you and rewrite the ending of your story. God wants to use you greatly. So how do we learn from Rahab's story? Number one, write this down. We've got to learn to keep our ears open. Keep your ears open open. You know, you ever hear a, a song and then for the rest of your life you've been singing a song with the wrong lyrics? <laughs> have you ever done that? Uh, do we have that, that video queued up? I, I want to use that right here. It's real, real short videos. This is kind of a short clip. Kind of, let you know what I'm talking about. Ever hear a song wrong? I think Phoebe did this once. and Let's see if we can learn from her and friends. Let's see what she had to say. Way. Most romantic song ever was The Way We Were. Uh, see, I, I think the one that Elton John wrote for um, that guy in Who's the Boss. <laughs> what song was that, Phoebs? Um, hold me close, young Tony Danza. Hold me close, tiny dancer. But once you hear her say that, you can't get it out of your head. And every time you hear the song, you'll hear Tony Danza the rest of the time. And it's not just that song. There's several songs we grew up with that we thought we heard the song a certain way, only to later in life to say, wait, you mean that's not the lyrics? I've been singing it wrong my whole life. And the reason why is that we hear it, but we're not really hearing it. We, we hear it and we think we heard something we didn't hear because we're not really paying attention the way we should. See, Rahab, she had heard the stories. She had heard the stories about what God had done for the people of Israel, how God had brought them out. He had heard the stories. He had heard the stories and how God brought his people out of Pharaoh, how God had defeated the enemy. She had heard the stories. Look at what Joshua says in 2.11, talking about Rahab. Joshua 2, 10 through 11. For we have heard, see, she said, we have heard it, how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did in Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, those people you completely destroyed. She says, no wonder, no wonder our hearts have melted. No wonder our, our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is what? Supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. I want you to get this. She has ears and she was listening. She had her ears listening to what God was doing. She believed it and she saw it. By faith, she understood 
there was something better waiting for her than where she was living her life that day. She was like, this life is empty. I, I am not being treated the way I know I shouldn't be treated. I've let my life get sucked into this hole of no hope. But today, I've heard the stories about your God. I've heard the stories about how your God is so big. I heard the stories. And she starts testifying about their God to the spies. Now, they're the ones who should be testifying to this woman. But this woman starts testifying to them. She pretty much says, God has already won the battle. She pretty much says, you know what? I know how this is going to end. It ain't going to end well for us because you serve a God who's supreme. This paints a picture in the spiritual world that we can see here today. And the picture is this. The enemy, look at this. The enemy already knows how big and mighty our God is. This woman was a member of Jericho, the enemy to the children of Israel, but she already knew that it was not going to be worth fighting because their God was supreme. Their God was a big God. Their God was a powerful God. She knew already, and listen, if the enemy knows how big your God is and they are fearful, why don't you know how big your God is? You can walk in faith because your enemy already knows your God is supreme. Your enemy already knows your God is faithful. Your enemy already knows your God is all-powerful. Your enemy already knows. And if you'll begin to walk in faith with what God's going to do, your enemy will step aside and quit picking on you because they know. I can't touch this one. I can't do anything with this one. I've tried to blow the winds. I've tried to send the rain, but they cannot be defeated. The enemy already knows this. Do you know it? Come on, ask your neighbor. Do you know how big your God is? Do you know? Deuteronomy 3, look what it says here, 31 and 6. Be what? Strong. Come on now. Say it together. Be strong. And what? courageous. Let's do it one more time. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or even terrified because of your enemy. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You got to understand, I got to have an understanding of how big my God is. How big is our God? How you see God Look at this now. How you see God will determine how you face your challenges. How you see God will determine how you face your enemy. Do you see your God bigger than your enemy? Do you see God bigger than your challenges? That's what faith does. I keep my ears open. I believe when Pastor Gene reads it out of the word, that our God is big, I believe he's big. That our God is faithful, I believe when I read it. I believe it when I hear it. And that's what number two is. I, I got to believe. Not just hear, but believe what you hear. Do you really believe what you hear every Sunday? Do you really believe what you've heard talked about God? Do you really believe our God is bigger than any problem? Do you really believe our God can heal? Do you really believe our God can set free? Do you really believe our God can redeem? Do you really believe our God is a God of miracles? Do you really believe our God can cause me to prosper even during the famine? Do you really believe that? 
See, Rahab heard about all these amazing things God had done for the Israelites, but she didn't just hear them. She believed them. Joshua 2.9, look what she says. Let's say it together. I, come on, I wish somebody knew today. She said, I know. She didn't say, I heard. She says, I know the Lord has given you this land. That's what she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. She goes, I know it. See, the first step of faith is hearing about God. The second step of faith is believing what you hear. Do you really believe it? See, faith requires you to believe. Believe what you're hearing. The children of Israel have seen what God can do. They were there when God delivered them out of Pharaoh's bondage. They were there when the Red Sea parted. They were there when God sent the manna from heaven to feed them. But they still doubted. They still allowed doubt. That's why God had to make them wonder 40 years in the desert before he could ever take them to the promise because they had all this faith not happening even though they had seen and heard for themselves what God had done firsthand. They still had doubt. And here's this woman. She never saw it. She just heard it and believed it. And God used greatly. And she was already saying, it's already God's. This land already belongs to God's people. I already know your God's going to move. I already know God's going to give you this land. I already know he's going to defeat the enemy of the Lord. And she goes, my faith, I heard it and I believe it. Rahab only heard. She didn't only just hear. She believed it. See, if your faith is dependent on what you see. Listen to me. Listen to me. If your faith is dependent on what you see, then what happens when you don't see it? If your faith is dependent on how you feel, what happens when you don't feel it? That's a good question right there, Ed. Oh, Pastor, I just don't feel it the way I used to. Well, where's your faith? Is my faith based off only what I feel in my emotions? Is my faith only based off of what I'm feeling or what I see? That's not faith. Faith is when I don't see it, I believe it. When I don't feel it, I know he's there. And I'm going to build my life on the strong foundation because I know when the winds come and the rain comes, I'm going to be steady. I'm going to hold firm because there's my anchor in my life. And number three, the last point I want to give you today. She didn't only just hear it, not only believe it, but she put her faith into action. She put her faith into action. She risked her life for the spies. When they sent the guards to capture the spies, she hid them. She acts in faith. Not only did she hide them, she said, they said, she said, they're not here. And, uh, I didn't know, but, you know, they, they, they left already. If you, if you guys speed up, you can probably catch them. She didn't just save them. She sent them on a wild goose chase to get them out of there so the spies would have plenty of time to get down safely and to escape without being harmed. If she'd have been caught, she'd have been put to death. But she had faith. You know what? I'm not putting my faith in these people. I've seen. I've heard. I haven't seen it, but I've heard what God can do, and I believe it. 
and she began to put her faith into action. Acts of faith. She acts on faith. I'm going to hide them because I believe if I hide them, that God would show me grace. If I help God's people, I believe that somehow I'm going to get saved. And we see this happening in Joshua 2.18 and 2.19 through 21. Look what it says. When, when we come, this is what they made a promise to her. Because she showed them kindness and she hid them. This is what they made a pact with her. When we come into the land, you must leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window. Everybody say scarlet. This is important. Remember, scarlet is what? The color of blood. It's blood red. Everyone who leaves this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down, all of your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all of your relatives must be inside this house where the rope hangs. Everywhere the scarlet rope hangs, they must be in this house. And if they go out into the street and are killed, it would not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside the house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. So we see something happening here. It says all the people, because of her kindness and her faith, to say your God is going to win this war, your God is going to deliver us, and I'm going to protect you no matter what it puts me at risk. Because you use faith, they said if you'll hang this scarlet blood-colored rope over your window that will spread the word and everybody will know to leave that house alone. Nobody inside that house will receive the judgment of God. The enemy will come in and we will destroy everything else into the city, but we won't touch the house covered with the scarlet blood robe prayer. Are you getting it? And it wasn't just her life. Her faith didn't just save her life. It saved her parents. It saved her children. It saved her relatives. And all of her, I'm sure she crammed as many people as she could into that house. Her faith wasn't just saving her. It was saving the next generation. It was saving those close to her. Listen, sometimes you got to have faith for those who don't have faith in themselves. And we see this beautiful picture that all those covered under the scarlet rope would walk under the grace. And that's what God did for us. So all those covered with the Lamb of God. We saw it on the Passover, all those who had the Lamb's blood covered did not receive the death angel. And the children of Israel were released. And all those who were covered in the scarlet house were saved from the judgment of God. Her faith saves her and her family. As we get ready to close, James, the disciple, has a lot to say about faith. He, he writes a lot about faith. He says, our faith without works is what? Dead. James, the disciple, says, our faith without works is dead. And he goes on to illustrate this verse, and he's talking a lot about faith and how faith put into action. And all of the great people he could have used for an illustration. He could have used Noah. He could have used Noah. He could have used Moses. He could have used Abraham. But who did he use? Let's look here in James 2.25. To illustrate this great story. He says, it was Rahab, the prostitute. She's another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Her faith in the, in the greatness of God saved her life and it saved her family, all who were covered by the blood. 
It was Rahab's example. It's faith. My faith demands action today. My faith demands action today. It's not enough just to believe. It's not enough just to hear. I got to believe. And then once I believe, I put my faith into action. If you really believe what you're hearing, then your faith should follow. Put my love into action. Put my words into action. Put my giving into action. Put my serving into action. Put the kindness of God into action. It demands a response. Faith is just not to hear and believe. But faith is an action word. My life should show that I believe what I hear. If I really believe what I hear, then it's going to affect the way I act. It's going to happen. Today, what can we learn? That God can use anybody. God can use the person we write off over and over again. God can continue to use those people just as much as he can use you or me. I hear it. I believe it. Then I put my faith into action. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you. We thank you for the testimony of Rahab today that shows an amazing grace. We thank you today that all of us are covered. When we put our trust in you, when we put our heart in you, that we're covered under that same blood covenant as well that allows us to walk in a mighty grace that we can hear, we can believe, and we can put our faith into action. If you're here today, say, Pastor, I'm ready to hear. I'm ready to believe. And now I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm ready to do that. I've never asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. And today, I'm ready to make that decision. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to single you out. We're not going to embarrass you. And nobody's looking right now but me. But if you're here, say, Pastor, I'm ready to accept Jesus Christ. I put my faith in him, that he died on the cross for my sins, that he's, he is the Messiah, God's only son. If that's you today, you're ready to surrender your life to him. Can you just raise your hand? Let me see it. Let me know you're ready to make that decision. Thank you. Anybody else want to join them? Thank you. Thank you. Those of you who raised your hands, I want you to say this prayer after me. As Christians around you, we'll help you as well. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I'm going to live for you and I'm going to follow you all my days. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we say, welcome to the family of God. Give him a hand clap, yeah.